This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. So this, this is the most useless tool in my garage. But it wasn't always that way. So let me tell you how I came across this. So before we moved back to Pennsylvania, we lived in South Georgia. And in our yard in South Georgia were three, like, big, beautiful pecan trees. I didn't care. I couldn't stand pecans. I just rode over them with the mower. But one day, I, I get this a knock on my door, like the doorbell rings. And I go to my front door, and I open it, and there's this like 19-year-old young man standing there. He's, he's not on my porch. He's not on my sidewalk. He's like out of my yard. And he looks at me, and he's pure country. And he says, Gehavzi's with you. And listen, I, I've been in the South by, like, by now, by like eight to 10 years. And I, I thought I knew all the, all the accents. Like, but this is a dialect, like, I thought he was speaking Wookiee. I wasn't exactly sure what it was. So I just looked at him, and he, he looked at me, and he, he said it again. He said, Gehavzi's with you. I thought, I have no idea what you're saying. So will you please say that again very slowly? And he's like, he was like, are you a Yankee? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a Yankee. And he said, I will go halvesies with you. I said, thank you. Now I know what you're saying, but I have no idea what you mean by that. What do you mean go halvesies? And he looked out where my pecan trees were and all these pecans on the ground. I hadn't run over the mower with the mower yet. He said, I'll go halvesies with you. I'll pick them all up. I'll give you half, but then I get to keep half. I said, dude, you can have them all. I don't want them. He's like, this is great. So he was happy. I was happy. Marsha came home from teaching school. Marsha wasn't happy. Do you know why? Because Marcia grew up eating her grandmother's roasted pecans. See, I, I never heard of that before. I just knew pecans. And I wasn't a fan of pecans. But so to prove that how good pecans can be, we waited until some more pecans dropped, went out and picked them up, took them in. We shelled them, picked them out. We, we lathered them with melted butter and salt, put them on a pan in the oven and baked them. And oh my gosh, game changer. These things are delicious. I'm like, no more halvesies. I'm allsies, all me, all, all mine, all ours. And, and they, they were fantastic. And so from then on, every time our trees were dropping, I'm out in the yard before I mowed, and I'm, I'm just picking up pecans, picking up pecans, picking up. And even when you're in your mid-20s, that gets old in a hurry. And so I asked around some of my southern buddies, said, what's, what's the better way? They directed me to this little beauty. And I went out and got it. It is a pecan picker-upper. And all you do is walk around. And you just boop, boop, boop. You fill up this little basket, dump it in your bucket, and you are golden. I mean, this, this is worth Like, Go sell all that you have and buy one of these. <laughs> this, became, this became one of the most useful tools in my garage. But it's not anymore. Do you know why? We don't have pecans in western Pennsylvania. So this hangs in my garage, collecting dust, just sitting there, like hanging there, only because I'm like super sentimental. That's who I am. I'm sentimental. So I, I like look at it, touch it, remember the good old days, and move on, because it's useless to me. Now, you may never have use for one of these. You may never own one of these. You may never even want one of these. But what I do know about you is that you know what the word useless means. You've heard it used. My fear, though, is that you have heard the word used about you. You 
are useless. From a, a parent who is disappointed, a spouse who is angry, a boss who is underwhelmed, maybe a coach who, who thought you should be do, doing better, for whatever the source, you know, you know what, what that means to be called useless. You've had that like cast upon you at some point in your life. And some, at some point, you may have even said it about yourself. When, when I was in seminary down in Kentucky, I was, um, I had to work my way through seminary, through grad school. And so I was uh, working, I was our like, campus lifeguard. I worked uh, serving tables at a Tex-Mex restaurant. I mucked stalls at a thoroughbred farm, like in Kentucky, it's racehorses. Uh, so I mucked stalls at there and for the first couple of years of seminary. And then I found out about this church, like not far from our campus, who were hiring a youth minister slash custodian. I thought, this is great. I'm studying for the ministry. I, I, I should be in ministry. Um, youth ministry, why not? I was a youth once before, right? Um, I worked with youth my whole college career. I, I worked with youth groups as a volunteer. And, and I know how to run a vacuum. This is great for me. And so I, I went in to, to meet the pastor and, and to interview for the job. And I found out that he lived in the same town as the seminary was in. He actually graduated. He was an alumnus of, of, of my school. His wife actually was one of Marsha, my girlfriend at the time. Um, not my wife, so you know. Um, she, was, she was one of Marsha's mentors in, in, in college across the street from the seminary. This was, this was great. This was a slam dunk. I went through the interview, answered all the questions, felt great, drove back to the seminary, found out it wasn't a slam dunk. I didn't get the job. They never even called me back. I don't even know if anyone else applied. I didn't get it. Like, and, and I don't know if it was the youth ministry part. I think it was the custodian part. Like they didn't trust me to clean the church. And so I remember like, for like a hot minute, this voice began to creep into my head saying, you didn't get that. You're useless. And I began to believe that voice in my head that I was useless. Now, thankfully, uh, God led me into another church, and, and I, for two years, got to do great ministry down there in, in, in youth ministry. But there, there was, a, there was a, this season of life where I'm thinking, what good am I? I'm studying for the ministry, and I can't get a, a ministry slash custodian position? I'm, I'm useless. And you know that voice, right? You've, you've, you've heard that voice. But do you, do you know whose voice it is? Let me tell you. It's the voice of someone who's been around a really long time, almost from the very beginning. It's, it's a voice that, that you've heard on other occasions in your life, but, but let me just, let me just uh, remind you about this, this voice. This is a voice that speaks into your life and tells you you're useless. Like, you try something but fail, you're useless. You don't get the job, you're useless. You get passed up for the promotion, you're useless. You didn't get the girl, you're useless. And that, that begins to, to creep in, and, and you begin for a hot minute to believe it, or maybe a lot longer. You've been believing it. And you begin to wonder, what am I doing here? Do I have meaning? Do I have any purpose? And that's a voice that comes to you from someone that you've heard before. He's, he comes from way back in the beginning, even before us. Way back. You can read about this, by the way, in the Bible, in the very first book called Genesis, starting in the very first chapter, when God was creating the world. Now, for some of you, that might be a stretch. Some of you, I, I get it. You're not sure that that's, is, is that really, is that really story or is it history? Is it, is it real or is it just a story that they made up? Listen, I believe it's true. 
I believe the word of God is the word of God. I, I believe that creation happened like, like God tells us it does. I believe that when the gospel writer John, the apostle John, wrote about creation, he was pointing back to Genesis and saying, that's exactly what happened. I believe he believed it. So I believe it too. But in my belief, God was creating the world and he was creating everything that, that, that exists, all the solar systems, light and dark he was creating the planets, and he created this planet with, with water and air, and he created the animals and the birds and the fish and the plants and the trees and the flowers, everything, and us. And after he created all of us, like all the things he was creating, do, do you know what he said about it? He looked back over it, like the job he had done, and do you remember what he said about, about that and about us? He said, it is not just good, at the end, when he, after he created us, he said, it's very good. And it's a really interesting word in Hebrew, and then that phrase. It doesn't just mean good. It actually carries this great meaning. It's good. It's right. It's valuable. From the very beginning, when God was creating us with you and me in mind, all these years later, he was saying, this is good. Like, you are good. You're right. You're valuable to me. And that's been God's voice in your life ever since. But what happens is the enemy sneaks in. Like, so in creation, in creation, the, the, the enemy w was, was there. Like, we, we name him the devil. Actually, God names him the devil, Satan. I, I believe he's real. I believe he, he does his best to undo what, what God does. Uh, along came the enemy, the antagonist. You've got to have an antagonist, right? The villain in the story. And, and he came in in the form of a serpent. And he spoke to Eve, the very first woman of creation. And he looked at Eve, and, and Eve knew that God told her, hey, don't eat from that tree. And so, so the serpent, the enemy in the form of a serpent said, hey, Eve, did, did God really say don't eat from that tree, that one right there? Did he really say that if you do eat of it, you'll die? Because he knows you won't die. In fact, you'll just get better because you'll be like him if you do. And he let his voice creep into her brain and into her, under her heart. And he began to, to create a doubt. Not just about what God said about the tree, but what God said about her. Because she was part of that very good, that good, right, and valuable. And now all of a sudden she's thinking, but wait, if that makes me better than the way I am right now, must not be enough. I must not be that valuable. Maybe I'm just useless. The voice you've heard in your head about being useless, whether it's come from, from uh, other outside sources, because the, the enemy is so, he's so slick, man. He, he will use other people, he'll use other voices, he'll use your past, he'll use your sins, he'll use your mistakes, he'll use your shame, he'll use your guilt. He'll speak through all those ways into you saying, you're useless, you're useless, you're useless. He snuck into Eve like he sneaks into us. And, and, and his voice begins to take over, taking the place of God's voice when God said, by the way, Eve, you are, you are wonderful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I made you. And you, you are so very good and right and valuable to me. And, and the enemy, his voice take, take, took over. Like the enemy, he can't create, but he can sure distort and he distorts your view of you, of what God says is true about you. And for whatever reason, you and I believe him. He's so slick and so sly. And when God calls you very good, 
the, the enemy says, but he, he, didn't, he didn't mean that, did he? I mean, he, didn't, he certainly didn't mean you because you know you. You know you're not good. You know you've not always done right. You know you're not that valuable. You know where you've come from. You know what last Friday night was. And he begins to let his voice creep in, and you let it creep in. That God didn't really mean you when he said that, but God did mean you. God does mean you, and yes, you've messed up, and yes, you've failed, and yes, your, your life is marked by sin, marked and marred by sin. And what you've done isn't good. And what you've done isn't valuable, but does not erase God's voice to you. Listen, I don't want you to believe the voice of the enemy. I want you to believe the voice of God, even if you don't feel good, you don't feel valuable, you may feel useless. But let me, let me begin to reconstruct in you and for you God's voice to you. And let me, let me do it like this. Let's pretend for a moment that you own a blue Jeep Cherokee. All right? Blue Jeep Cherokee. And you love driving your blue Jeep Cherokee everywhere you go, to work, to the park, to soccer, everywhere you go, the blue Jeep Cherokee. And then one day, you wreck the blue Jeep Cherokee. Maybe, maybe it was your fault. Maybe someone else wrecked into you. doesn't matter. It's wrecked. I mean, it's really wrecked. And, and when the police show up on, on the scene, they, they say, gosh, look, look at that and look at you. I can't believe you walked away from that. And when the insurance adjuster shows up on the scene, she says, hey, um, that is totaled. It is so wrecked, it is totaled. Let me ask you something. Even though it's wrecked, and even though it's totaled, does it cease to be a blue Jeep Cherokee? Or do you look at it all of a sudden and say, oh, daggum, now it's a red Nissan Pathfinder. <laughs> or do you say, oh, now it's a, it's a bright green Volkswagen Bug. It, it, it's still a blue Jeep Cherokee. And I, listen, if you take that thing to a really gifted mechanic and a really gifted body repair person, they can make that thing look like and actually be like maybe better than brand new. You see where I'm going, right? You're wrecked. God says it of all of us. We're sinned. We're sinners. We've sinned, right? All of us have sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. We're not who we're supposed to be. We are wrecked. And, and, and we're wrecked so, so much, we're not drivable anymore. Like, we, our, our lives get absolutely wrecked. Listen, when, when your life is wrecked, it's going to cost a lot to get back. But the good news is, God looks at you. He looks at the wreckedness of your life. He looks at the sin of your life, the shame of your life, all of that. And he says, I can work with that. I can make you usable. I can make you valuable again. You've never lost who you are. Listen, just because you're wrecked, that does not mean you're not who God created you to be. God, listen, even though you're wrecked, God sees in you what he's always seen in you. You are valuable to him. That you are useful to him. It's, it's going to cost a lot, but guess what? He's already paid the price for it. Listen to what God says. We're, we're going to jump into God's word now. God used a man named Paul to write this, what we're about to read. And this is so good coming from Paul because Paul was wrecked. I mean, like, totaled, wrecked. Paul even claims it. Like, here's Paul who wrote, you know, more than half of the New Testament for us. Like, Paul should be like, I'm the pedestal of Paul. But he's like, no, listen, I'm, I'm more wrecked than any of y'all. I'm the worst wrecked one. I'm the vilest offender, he says. I'm, I'm the worst of all of us. And so when he writes this, this is coming, I think, from Paul's heart because this is his, it's, this is his story. Paul, Paul was so wrecked, and yet God worked in his life in such an amazing way. He, 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 
he restored him, and, and he used him then to actually change the world. So this is what Paul writes from his own story, uh, but from God's story for us. So he, here we go. Listen to this. But because of his great love for us, God, stop there. You need to understand that from the very, very start of this, the foundation of this is not God's demands, not God's decrees, not God's expectations. This is God's love for you. What we're about to read, everything we're about to read comes directly from God's heart because he loves you so, so much. He writes, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Let, let me translate that for us. God made you drivable even when you were totaled. That's what he's saying. If, if Paul knew about cars, I think he would have written it that way. God made you drivable even when you are wrecked. God looks at you and says, I can work with that. And, he, and here's, how, here's how you were wrecked. You may not know how you're wrecked, but Paul, Paul starts this whole section of, of his, this letter with uh, this hard truth, but real truth, that we're all sinners, that we're all wrecked. That every single one of us is, has, has, has sinned, lives in sin, and as a result of that, we deserve death, right? Listen, he's saying even, even when you, um, before you knew Jesus, maybe now you don't even know Jesus yet, you're wrecked. He, he calls it dead. You're not like, not like no pulse or not breathing dead, but not living with Jesus dead, spiritually dead. Listen, before you gave your life to Jesus... And even now, if you're not living with Jesus, you're dead. Meaning, you're, you're living so far below who God designed you to be. You're living so far below your potential. You're not even coming close to living your true self. You're not even coming close to living uh, the way God desires you to live and made you to live. You're, you're dead. And here's what I know about dead things. Most dead things are pretty useless. They're pretty useless. They're, they're like pecan pickers in the north because they're just useless. Just like you and me before or without Jesus, dead, useless. But Paul's writing to believers here. He's writing to people who, who then gave their lives to Jesus. He says, hey, you used to be dead or useless, but now, now something's changed. You used to be wrecked, but God made you alive with Christ even though you used to be dead. He keeps going. It is by grace that you've been saved. Now, saved is one of those words, again, we use in church world, um, but we, we don't really always know what it means or, or how to explain it to other people. So let me just, just tell you very easily, uh, like, what am I saved from? What are you saved from? Hell. Okay? It's as simple as that. When the scripture talks about being saved, doesn't mean like I'm a better person, doesn't mean I'm, I'm kinder to my wife, doesn't mean I just become a better parent. It means I am saved from hell. It is Jesus doing what I could never do for me, what you could never do for you, and, and taking this, the, the, the guilt of your sin, the guilt of my sin away. I'm saved from condemnation. I'm saved from, from eternity, living away from God. Listen, all of us are going to live forever. All of us have eternal life. That's not the question. The question is where? Will you spend eternity away from Jesus in hell or with Jesus in heaven? And it's a real simple, like, yes or no, A or B type style question. And so to, to say, hey, we, we're, we're, uh, I've been saved by grace, that's, that's what Jesus is, is talking about through Paul right here. 
And, and when, when, you, when, you look at, when you look at grace, we're going to talk about this more deeply in a minute, but it's another one of those words that's just hard to explain to people. We'll dig into that in a moment. But when, it's one thing to live without Jesus. Because living without Jesus means there's still hope. You still have a chance. He's still pursuing you, still inviting you, saying, hey, till you take your last breath, I'm inviting you to, to, to give your life to me and live with me forever in heaven. So living without Jesus, there's still hope for you, but dying without Jesus, dang, that's game over. That's done. There's no redos. There's no reboots. So you want to make sure you get that right, right now, before you go any further. Paul, Paul is saying here, hey, you used to be dead, you used to be wrecked, but God, God made you alive in Jesus. Listen, a way back to real life is why Jesus came. When you accept Jesus, he brings your life to life. This is how he says it now in verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Here's what that means. Paul, Paul's saying for the follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, that God has given you a seat in the company of Jesus. And that means two things. Number one, because of Jesus' resurrection, your resurrection is certain. Because of Jesus' resurrection, your resurrection is certain. Because Jesus was raised to life, that if you're his follower, or you become his follower, and you remain his follower, guess what? You will be raised to life too. Like after you die, you have this promise, you'll live forever in heaven with him. That is God's guaranteed promise to you. Amen? Amen. That's great news. And number two, Here's what this means. Number two, you have the power of Jesus living in you right now. You don't have to wait until the last day. You have it right now. Even though you are still living here with the challenges of here and the sicknesses of here and the exams of here and the pain of here and the divorces of here and all the things that go wrong, the wreckage of here, you have Jesus' power living in you here right now in everyday life. See, that's the gospel. That, that's the good news of Jesus, that you have his power right now and his power then forever. He gives that to you. That's good news. But let's keep reading because there, there's more. Verse 7. Here's why he did all this for you. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace extended or expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In other words... God wants to show you off. God wants to show you off. Like your life will become a testimony to what God has done and what he can do. His goodness, his kindness, his restoring you. He's, he's going to point to you one day. He's going to say, oh my gosh, here's Marissa. Y'all look at Marissa. Do you know who she used to be? But look who she is now. I can work with that. I did that. Look, he, he can take all of your past sins, guilt, shame, hurt, all that stuff and turn you into something new. And he says, now look, look what I do. Look what I've done. Look what I want to do to you. I mean, what are you and what am I if not trophies of his grace? That, that's what he's saying right here. Do you ever, you ever think about, by the way, on that same line of how God could then use you in other people's lives? Because it's not just about you, Right? You ever think about what it would be like to talk to somebody and they say, oh, no, no, there's no way God could ever love me. There's no way God ever wants me because I've done this and I've been there 
And you can say to them, I, I know, I used to live there too. I've done that too. But now look at me now. This, look what God has done for me. What God has done for me, he wants to do for you. Have you ever thought about, have you ever thought about how God could use you in other people's lives? Oh my gosh, y'all, this world would, would be so much better. There'd be so many wrecked people could be brought back to life if the church would just step up and do our job and be the church. Verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Like the, Jew, the, the blue Jeep can't fix itself. And neither can you. This is all God. This is, like, this is the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God we sing about. This is the grace of God. You, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't be good enough to ever get it. It's just his grace. And again, grace is one of those words that we like to throw around in church world that we don't always understand what it is or misunderstand it and don't know how to explain it. So let me, let me help you. There's two words that go together, mercy and grace, and they're not the same. They're not interchangeable. So let me give you easy definitions so you can understand and then you can share this with others. So let's talk about mercy first. Mercy in its simplest form, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Okay? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. That's mercy. Grace is, is, is like the next step of that. Grace is going beyond that. Grace is going higher than that because grace is you getting what you do not deserve. For instance, let, let's say that um, you're working on a project at work and, and you take some shortcuts that could, that could really jeopardize the entire project at work. Or let's say you cheat on a, a test or you cheat on your wife or you, you cut practice from the rest of the team. Okay, what you deserve from those things would be... Um, getting fired from your boss, uh, failing the class from your teacher, potentially being divorced from your wife, and being benched, if not cut from the team, from your coach. Mercy is when they don't do those things to you. Mercy is when, that, is when they don't do those things to you. But grace is when they go a step further. And your boss comes to you and says, hey, I, I, know, I know what you did, but I, really, I believe in you. And I, you have so much talent and I believe you're better than that. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting you in charge of this project over here, and, and you're the lead on the project. That's grace. Grace is, is your teacher coming to you and say, hey, I know you're better than that. So you're going to stay after school today, and I'm going to let you retake the test. That's grace. Grace is your wife saying to you, I believe in us, and I believe we have something that's worth fighting for. And so we're going to go to counseling, and I'm staying with you and we're going to work to get better. That's grace. And grace is your coach coming to you and saying, hey, I, I know you cut practice when you weren't supposed to. But you are so, I, I believe in you so much that I'm designing a couple new plays that center around you. That's grace. So that's mercy and, and, and that, that's grace. God says, hey, because of your sin, you deserve death. That's what you deserve. I'm not going to give you death. I'm not going to give you death. That's mercy. But because of my grace, I'm going to actually give you life, life with me. Like death, the what you should get is death, but God in his grace gives you forever life. That's grace. This is what God offers to everyone. 
Everyone who, who will receive him, like you may think you've gone too far, done too much wrong, you've, you've, out, you've outpaced his grace. Listen, you need to hear me on this. There's nowhere you can go, nothing you can do, no place you can go that God won't love you and forgive you if you ask him. Again, that's his promise to you. That's his promise to you. This is God's grace to you. There's nothing you can do to get it. It's just God loving you. Now, here's the kicker. Here's the last verse, last thing. After all that he's done and why he's done it, this is like icing on the cake. Listen to this, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Like when you let God take your wrecked life and rebuild you, you become, this is what what the wording means in Greek, you become this beautiful, one-of-a-kind, handiworked piece of art. That's what it means. You become this one-of-a-kind, beautiful work of art that God has made you into. Like he's taking your brokenness and made you beautiful. He's taking your filthiness and made you spotless. But that's not all. That's not all. He also makes you useful. He he takes your wreckage and makes you drivable. He rebuilds you with purpose, a purpose he's designed for you and designed you for. So maybe it's been a long time. Maybe it's been a long time since you felt good or valuable or useful in any way. You've been believing those other voices that tell you that you're useless. But God says, no, you're not. God says you are useful, full of use, full of purpose, so valuable. Now, what's your purpose? I don't know. We'll get to that. We'll cover that uh, before long. But right now, maybe you just need to know that God is for you, that he's listening for you, for you to ask him to step into the the wreckness of your life, the wreckage of your life, to begin healing and rebuilding and, and restoring you. You know, I never thought about this, but I was working on this, on this message last week. And the word restoring, you know what it sounds like to me? Restoring sounds like restoring. Like God's just going to rewrite your story. Like where you are when you feel useless, that's not the end of your story. At least it doesn't have to be. God wants to restory you. He wants to restory your life. Add new chapters to your life. And maybe, maybe this morning, that's exactly what you need him to do. And so here's my thinking. Let me do this. First of all, let me give you some, some tools in the weekly ask to help do this. Then I'll tell you what we're going to do next. So number one, for the weekly ask to help, help get this process started in your life, just check your wreck. Just check your wreck. Take stock of where your life is. Are you in line with Jesus or are you not? Where do you need him to realign your life with him? Number two, ask God how he has designed you and why. Because he's done that with purpose. Like, how has he rebuilt you as good and right and valuable? And how does he want to use you now that way? So those are your weekly asks. Now, if you're a parent of of kids down in in crew right now, you have an extra one. It's called the talking point. Every week, um, the talking point comes home and they want you to talk with them about this, your kids. So here's what your kids are coming home to talk about with you this week. God has a plan for me. So maybe you don't want to wait till you get home to go over all that stuff we just talked about today. 
don't worry, I'm not going to hit anybody with this. I, I, I've not found a new use. Don't, no, no worries. But maybe today you are feeling really, really um, useless because someone at home told you that or someone at work told you that or someone at school told you that or someone on team told you that. Maybe today's the day you need to say, God, I, it's just where I am. I feel pretty wrecked. And God says, I can work with that. So maybe this is the day. You need to come right up here. And you need to forget. Listen, 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 we made this extra wide, not for me to walk around, but for you to use. You know, this, we hope, we hope that when we begin to worship again, you'll storm the front. We hope you're so excited. When we open up worship services, you know, you'll storm the front. Hey, you'll get your seat back. Don't worry. No one's going to, well, they may take it, but you find another one. But come up here and just stand up before God in his presence up close and just worship him but it's also this great place just to get with God in prayer and say God today I'm hurting because I just feel useless and let God say to you but you're not you're good and you're valuable you're so valuable to me and if you need to hear that don't wait another minute listen we're going to sing in just a moment Pastor Jonathan's going to be right over here I'll be right over here we'll get out of your way unless you want us in your way If you want us, just tap us. We'll be right beside you. But this is a time for you to get with God and say, God, show me, show me that my sin is not that great. Too great for you to love me still. And show me what you want to do with my life. And he'll start doing it today. Let me pray for us. Father God, we don't ever want to believe the enemy's lies. And yet it just seems so easy to do that. He just sneaks in and creeps in and His voice distorts what we hear in your voice. And Father, I'm not saying we're all right. In fact, a lot of us, we just, we live our lives in the wrong. We fail, we we sin, we fall. But that never takes us out of your love. It never takes us too far for your grace. So Lord, we just need some restoring today. And I pray that anybody, either here in person or part of our online family, that needs to ask you to do that, that they would forget anyone else around them, either in a chair beside them or a row in front of them or a couch in the same room. They would just say, this is too important because I need to know I'm not useless. So Jesus, come and do your work. Holy Spirit, just take over. We give this all to you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.